This is FM 100.5, 101.9, AM 1450, and WGNSRadio.com. Rutherford County's Place to Talk. Hip, hip, hooray, let's give a cheer. It's 9 a.m., the signal's clear. Our favorite host is in the chair. The Truman Show is on the air. It's The Truman Show with Truman Jones. A look at the politics, news, sports, and people that are shaping Rutherford County. The Truman Show is on the air. The Truman Show is on the air. Now from Adams Place on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS. Here's Truman Jones. Good morning, Rutherford County. We have a very, very special guest on today. And uh, Dr. Charles Edward Howard. Edwin. Edwin. <laughs> well, I'm close. But you're known as Ed to yes, most people right, that, right, that are here. Right, right. And you have an amazing background. Um, of course, uh, I have to tell you how proud I am to have you here. And uh, you were one of our veterans that served during World War II. And uh, you were also a, 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 a um, professor over at uh, MTSC, I guess it was at the time. Mm-hmm. And you taught uh, English and probably a, a number of other things. You were, you were, uh, I was advised not to have you in class because they said that you were the toughest one over there. Uh, oh, yeah, you played right into it. I guarantee you that. But we, I have been sitting here listening for the last 10 minutes, and um, I'm just totally, uh, I, I'm, I'm in another world listening to you. Because you paint such a great picture of some of your earlier days. And um, I, I guess the best way to start is um, and the, all the people here in the audience. It seems like half of Adam's place is here this morning because they have so much respect for you. And, and that's very special. Margaret uh, Autobodian over here behind me, uh, she mentioned you the other day. And it just I was so happy that you were willing to be on the show this morning. You, 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 um, uh, let's start where you want to start, uh, uh, and, and not all the way to the beginning, but uh, uh, just pre-World War II. Well, this reminds me of the time that I was a little late getting to class at MTSU, that class that I taught, and I came in and I told them I was sorry that I'd kept them waiting. Mm-hmm. I was also amazed that they had waited. And I said, uh, I only have about 15 minutes. I said, I don't know where to start. And this kid on the front row said, why don't you start with the 14th minute? <laughs> well, Hey, that's my kind that's, of kid. <laughs> that's, yeah, mine too. I, yeah. I thought, well, I've got a really bright kid here. <laughs> Well, let's see. I'm going back to uh, Mojave Desert. That's yeah. where the war really began for me. Okay. And uh, I was making out uh, with my commanding officer uh, attempts to get in any kind of service other than aircraft, any aircraft in the Mojave Desert. Yeah. And uh, so I finally got into the Air Force. And uh, I was sent then to... Um, uh, March Field mm-hmm. in California and uh, had some training and then I was sent to uh, uh, any aircraft I mean yeah any aircraft no I was sent first to uh, radio school mm-hmm. and uh, because that's what they had put me in they had made me at that time a radio operator gunner yeah and uh, I went first to a radio school in uh, Sioux Falls South Dakota coldest one I ever spent, I think. But uh, then when I finished that, I was sent to uh, Yuma, Arizona, to uh, gunnery school. And here we started out with uh, uh, shotguns on the back of a pickup truck standing up, and we fired it 
desk, you know, thrown out. Yeah. Went around a big circle. We went from that to a place where we sat, and they showed pictures of airplanes coming out of, coming out of the side and front and so forth, and we fired a, 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 a light gun at these things and mm-hmm. so forth. And um, when that was over, then they sent me to, um, um, let's see. Oh, next I went to, um, let's see, now. my memory is so bad. Uh, oh, I was sent to Savannah, Georgia, to Honor Air Force Base. Yeah. And there we were given some instruction, and we met our crew. Mm-hmm. Met the crew that we would fly with. Uh, we met in the uh, in the uh, football field of uh, the University of Tampa. Uh, they would call out the pilot, and uh, then they'd call out the uh, co-pilot, mm-hmm. navigator, bombardier, engineer, radio operator, and as our names called, we'd go out and meet. And that's where we first met. Then we went to a number of uh, practice missions out over the Gulf of Mexico. And uh, then in November of 1943, we uh, got on the Ile de France, the old iconic uh, luxury uh, ship. Mm-hmm. I was uh, 13 floors down from the top. I never got top of that ship. <laughs> I never got on the top floor. And it was very uh, sickening and very hot and yeah. very everything. Too bad. Stepped in a, a hammock, you know. Yeah. And it was about this much room between me and the person up above me. Uh, well, anyway, uh, it took us quite a few days. I really can't remember. It was either four or five days to get across because the ship was, you know, zigzagging. Mm-hmm. And uh, we, How often did you get sick? Oh, I was sick almost all the time. Yeah. And so was everybody else. Uh, it was not pleasant. But, I, I can't stand to be cooped <laughs> up like that. So I couldn't either. <laughs> but uh, we, we finally docked at, uh, right out of Glasgow, Scotland. I can't remember the name of the place. It's a small place where there's only a of dock and so forth. We got in a truck and drove <clears throat> south and east to a place called Defam Green, D-E-O-P-H-A-M. Mm-hmm. That was a little village, and all around this village, camouflaged pretty well, was the base, 452nd Bomb Group. Mm-hmm. And that was my assignment. <clears throat> And uh, after about four or five days, when we were doing practice and so forth, I flew my first mission, and that was uh, November. Well, it was right before Thanksgiving. I remember. I don't remember what day. It was Thursday. (laughs) You got uh, a great memory. (laughs) Yeah, true. I flew my first mission. And I thought it was a pretty nice mission. I didn't know. It was noisy and bumpy, and uh, I was scared to death. Of course. (laughs) Uh, Everybody's scared. No one wants to admit it, but everybody's scared, you know. If if you're not scared, you're crazy. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You were Section 8 if you're not. But anyway, uh, when we got back, the uh, ground crew, which looked after just our plane, you know, mm-hmm. refill, uh, repaired any damage and so forth, and uh, refill the uh, uh, air t- the tanks, gas tanks and so forth. He, one of the uh, uh, maintenance men came in. Now, as a radio operator sat, so when until we are attacked by fighters. The radio man sits in a little space with a desk and all the radio equipment in the middle of the plane. Mm -hmm. And you have a window on your left right here. And uh, he came in and looked around. He said, well, that hole wasn't there when 
you took off, we would have fixed that. I didn't remember it, but we had been hit. Mm -hmm. It looked like by a fighter, a, a shell. It, it wasn't flak, it was a fighter. It was, it was a fighter, I'm yeah. sure. But I didn't know it. There's so much noise and so much activity, you know, that it didn't, didn't hear it. Because I had on my earphones, because you never knew when we would get a message that mm -hmm. I had passed on to the pilot. The pilot couldn't be interrupted flying the plane. <laughs> but that didn't seem so bad. From that time on, I was a little wiser. <laughs> now, you was, were in a bomber, right? I was in a B-17, this one. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Just like this one. That's a beautiful and, plane. And I was right here. That was now, right here is the radio room. Uh-huh. And right here is my gun, right there. You're more toward the tail of the That's plane. That's right. There's a tail gunner. Yeah. And then there's a waist, this waist gunner. And then there's waist on the other side. There's a waist gunner. And then um, this is this is the radio room where that little window is there. Mm -hmm. There's a ball turret gunner under here, which goes all the way around. Yeah. Eventually, there was a ball turret gunner here. But they never got that worked out <clears throat> too often. It didn't shut off as it should have when it got within a certain distance of that tail. Yeah. And it'd shoot its tail off. So they they cut out this gun. Uh, and then there was the bombardier and the navigator with two. Each of them had twin, fifth caliber. Mm -hmm. And then the... the um, Pilots just flew. They were just sort of truck drivers. You were a main target back there. <laughs> well. Because none of them wants to get shot. No. <laughs> well, uh, I have a list of places where we bombed. I don't know if we have time left to list those or not. Yeah. Now, I flew 19 missions. Oh, wow. I was on our 20th mission, so it's 20. Uh -huh. But I didn't finish the 20th one. But... Um, I had a little book that I kept a record. Now you're going to tell me why you didn't finish that 20th mission. Oh, yeah, I'm going to get to that. Maybe yeah. I better skip this. But, no, go uh, ahead. Uh, on the 28th of November, we went to Duisburg, Germany, and oh. it was marshalling yards. We went to Kassel, Germany on the 29th, mm -hmm. but we didn't go on the 30th. Now, we usually went to one or two missions and skip a day. Mm -hmm. we, we, uh, then, uh, then on the fir uh, 30, 31st, we went to Berlin. Mm. Um, now, this was the first time we had fighters escort us. They didn't have a fighter that could carry enough guns to go all the way to Berlin yeah. for some time. But that was the first time we went to Berlin. And, um, no, well, we went, but we didn't get there. We were diverted to uh, Dalton. I don't know. That, I don't remember that town at all. But we were diverted and spent the night there and then mm -hmm. flew back. Then the next day we came back from Dalton, and uh, I had a pass, and I spent the night in London. Uh, then the next mission we flew was uh, on a Sunday, and we flew uh, to uh, flew to Munich. Mm -hmm. Then we flew to Leipzig, Germany. And from that time, that was the first time we had a plane named, and the name of the plane was Lamb's Wolves. Our pilot at that time, until our last mission, our pilot was a fellow named, uh, now his first name escapes me. I can't remember. You're but, doing better than I would. <laughs> but his name was Lamb, and so we named the plane Lamb's Wolves. Did you paint a picture yeah, of it? Yeah, it was painted. It, yeah. It a picture of a lamb and all the wolves, you know, standing around growling and so forth. Uh, then the next day we went to Leipzig. Next day we oh, we went on a practice mission. Mm -hmm. 
let's see. The, most of those were suicide missions that well, you were on. The war, you see, the flak got to be much heavier. Yeah. As time went on, and uh, so did fighters. Mm-hmm. And I, I won't go on. We went to Nuremberg quite a time. It was a hard one. Nuremberg was a very difficult one. Mm-hmm. We really got shot up in Nuremberg. On Nuremberg, uh, the uh, one plane on our, on our came in. I mean, he was on our left wing, mm-hmm. and uh, there was no flak. Um, we were not to the initial point. That's where you meet, where you start your bomb run. Mm-hmm. And uh, your, your fighters come in just before you get to that. Now, you, you can see where your target is because there's nothing but smoke. It's flak. Yeah. And so you know that's where you're going, and you're going to right, fly right through it. And there's always somebody hit. Yeah. They don't always go down. That was a tough thing that that bomber was tough but uh, one of the, the mission I was about to talk about was uh, to Nuremberg and uh, it, just before we got to the initial point where we bombed where the group would come a little closer mm-hmm. and that was a frightening thing oh, see yeah. we flew in formation all the time and uh, quite often planes you know would hit yeah. And I tell you the truth, I was more afraid of that than I was machine guns or flak because I could look out this window and see that darn plane, you know, coming up close to us and it would go down and we'd go up and, you know, there's a constant movement like that in the bomb, uh, in in the flight till you got to the initial point where the, where the bomb run started. That mm-hmm. is where the planes all tightened up the formation and went in dropping the bombs in tandem or all at once. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and after that, you turned off and went started home. But what I was telling you about over mm-hmm. Nuremberg, uh, a plane came up right out here, sitting right out here, mm-hmm. and suddenly this thing just exploded. We were told later that he was hit by a fighter. I never did see the fighter. Hmm. But the plane was hit in the left wing and a gasoline tank, you know, exploded. And uh, that was that. That's the first time I I believe I'd ever seen one that close go up. Uh, Oh, I saw one one time. Uh, I I won't go into that. How How many planes would usually go on a mission with you? Well, now, you know, that's, that's, a, that's a, I'm not sure I know, but I know that there were 20 in our squadron that went. Okay. And there were, there was a uh, 728th, 729th, 1st, 729, 7th, 29th, and the 730th. I was mm-hmm. in the 730th squadron. And uh, there were 20 planes from each squadron. Right. So that would usually be around six, 60 to 80. What percentage uh, of them would come home? Um, tell you the truth, the longer the war, the more planes were shot down. Yeah. The, the uh, German Air Force got very, very reckless. In the back days, they were, they were told to ram planes, and they did that, like yeah. the, not like the Japanese did. Yeah. I never saw that happen, but um, I heard about it. I heard many of those. But uh, usually there were there was anywhere from uh, twenty to something like that. There was a good chance that you weren't going to make it back. Well, yeah. We, and and basically they were called suicide missions well, back yeah, in those days. Yeah. How did you feel when you would leave the base and, and head for Germany? Scared. <laughs> You know, everybody was scared. Yeah. No, nobody would admit it, but everybody was scared. Everybody knew that everybody was scared. But, you know, uh, bravery is doing it when you're scared to death. Yeah. But, you know, you just do it. That's, you can't... You, you people were extraordinary. You really were. Well, I don't know. I think that 
we were young. That's, yeah. And in my case, stupid. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> you, you, but it's well, amazing how many situations uh, that you guys uh, were, uh, how many things you were asked to do that you knew that this could be your last oh, flight. Yeah, that's true. And, and it, 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 it makes heroes of all of you. Really, it does. Well, I don't know. Do, do they, uh, but they trained you in, in such well, a way right. that you could get through all of that. Well, we were trained enough that we could uh, be brave, I guess. We, yeah. We just, we were, we felt we had to do it. I, I can't tell you a single case of somebody just refusing to go. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't know. That happened, I'm sure. But I never knew of a case like that. You you, now, you have a great, uh, all the guys with you, you became closer right there than most people ever get to be. We were pretty close. We were close when we were flying. Yeah. We weren't very close. But you we, depended upon each other so much. Well, but you know, uh, I really, I don't think we had any close friendships. We We were sort of a, we were buddies. And yeah. When we were off the plane, in the plane, we were close, mm-hmm. you know, because we depended on each other. Uh, I'm, I'm sure we get near the end times. I haven't even talked about how we shot down. Do we have time? Oh, yes. you got all the time yeah. in the world. Okay. On uh, March the 19th, we were fl- flying a mission to Zwickau, Germany. Mm-hmm. And, um, well, actually, we were not flying to I can't remember the name of the city that we were flying to, but we took off, and uh, the weather was terrible. It wasn't terrible when we left, but by the time we had flown over France and had entered Germany, mm-hmm. the weather was bad, big, heavy clouds and rain and so forth. And uh, the... Uh, primary mission was diverted to Zwickau. <clears throat> and uh, we had a, uh, we ran into a big cloud bank. And when that happens, it, it's, <laughs> it's sort of chaos. The pilots are all talking to one another, you know, and mm-hmm. so forth. I'm, I'm, I'm moving right, I'm moving left, I'm moving up, I'm moving down. So we won't all run into each other. Yeah. Well, when we came out of that bank, <clears throat> it was still raining, but we were out of the uh, out of the thick, heavy uh, bank, uh, cloud bank, <clears throat> and a group of FW-190s and some others were sitting out there waiting for us. They'd been circling in this bank, waiting for us to come out, mm-hmm. and they hit two of us. They hit the ones on uh, the ship on our left, and they came up what was called six o'clock medium, and came up on the plane and and hit the ball turret first mm-hmm. because that was the one that was most dangerous. The ball turret under here, yeah. because you see he had full range. He could he could turn around and fire at any range. Mm-hmm. So they came up and knocked him out first, and when they did, right under here, I was up here because we had been in that bank and I'd been sending a lot of stuff. That's over and we were, we that were, where the left wing yeah, comes in. We yeah. were, uh, we were, I had to send anything going out mm-hmm. by Morse code, and that took up a lot of time. Yeah. Now, uh, I, I had learned to use more code at 18 words a minute. Mm-hmm. I could do that because it had a cer- certain rhythm about it that I got. 16, I couldn't do yeah. at all. But anyway, um, I, never got a, I never got a message as old 12 or 13 anyway. Mm-hmm. But anyway, there was this, he, he came up and fired and hit us there. And uh, this wing, this uh, this one, mm-hmm. this one went out. It just flames everywhere. And uh, that's then, the engine right the yeah. closest to the and, ship. And this wing was hit, 
Mm-hmm. And, of course, the uh, ailerons and all that was messed up. Yeah. And the plane went into a dive, mm-hmm. and the pilot got it up straight, and he said, everybody out, leave, leave the plane, go. <laughs> so I got up from here and went went over here. We had walk-around bottles. Mm-hmm. You know, you attached to the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I was uh, sitting there one day, and it was terribly cold, about 30 degrees below zero. Mm-hmm. See, we were, we were flying at 30 to 35 feet. Yeah. And um, I suddenly realized that my walk, my bottle, I, uh, my oxygen there was frozen to my lips. <laughs> and I, I saw that it had come undone down here. Wow. And so I just instinctively pulled off, pulled it off and pulled the lip, my lips all the way off, skin right around here. But anyway... Um, I got up when the pilot said everybody out. I got up and went back here from the room here. Mm-hmm. Down the middle of the plane. I, I never saw the plane that hit us. I never saw it. It was an ME-202. That's a pilot, That's a jet plane. Mm-hmm. And that they, they had just started. We were not the first, but we were about the third ship shot down by a jet. Mm-hmm. So I went back here and pulled the handle, and the door flew off. Mm. And I was about to jump, and I... uh, You had a parachute I had a parachute, and we had uh, chest packs, not not, uh, seat packs the way pilot and co-pilot. But I had a chest pack that was about this long and about this big around. Yeah. And... uh, I knelt down and grabbed both sides of the doorway. The door had gone when I'd pulled the handle. And uh, I looked down and saw that my chute was upside down. (laughs) How in the world did that? And then I did the most stupid thing I ever have done in my life. I released and took it and undid it and turned it over Uh and put it on. Now, at that time, I was kneeling in the door, <laughs> and the wind was just tremendous, you can yeah, imagine. Yeah. And the plane was rocking like this, going down and rocking, and he came over like that, and I fell out. I didn't jump. I fell. And, and, to, and to usually yeah. to keep from hitting the side of the plane, you have to really push out hard because that's a lot of impact <laughs> out there. It sure is. It is a tremendous impact. Yeah. And it was still raining. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, um, I fell through the rain, yeah. and uh, I hit the ground in a pasture, back of a little village. Little... Uh, you're still in Germany. Yeah, I'm in Germany. Yeah, yeah about okay. the middle All right. of Germany, near Zwickau. Uh-huh. We didn't start our bomb run. Well, were they shooting at you while you were going down no, with your chute? No, they didn't. But we were always told, you know, when we had, saw a plane uh, shot up, we we were told to count shoots, be sure to look carefully, count shoots, mm-hmm. and see what happens to them all the way as far down as you can see. But, um, so you have eyes that are taken care of. Yeah, you. that's right. Yeah. yeah. And uh, I hit the ground on my feet and... Everything was fine. Uh, Except you were in Germany. These fellows, yeah. yeah. These fellows were all standing down there with guns. One or two of them had some sort of gun, and the rest of them had <laughs> shovels and picks and all kind of stuff like that. And uh, they started asking for a pistol. And we usually did carry a forty-five pistol. It was a shoulder mm-hmm. holster, and it was very uncomfortable. When I first got to England, they, they said, don't take it. You get in trouble if you take it. Mm-hmm. Don't take your pistol. You're not going to be able to do If you have people all around you, and they're not going to, you know, they're going to immediately get your pistol. Mm-hmm. So they said, don't take it. But before before I went down, they came back and said, take it. Mm-hmm. We want you to take your pistol. But that day, I didn't take it. Hmm. 
which was probably a good thing. I probably saved my life by not having it. Yeah. Uh, so they kind of roughed me up a little bit. And we went up the hill in this pasture to a barn with a few outbuildings. And they put me in one of these outbuildings, had farm machinery in there. And uh, I stayed in there probably 25, 30 minutes. And they took, they brought, took me out. They opened the door and came out. And there was a, a regular you know, uh, uh, German soldier. Mm-hmm. I don't know the rank, but some rank. And he got me and sort of pushed. And by this time, I was feeling a little weak. I had bled a good bit, and I didn't feel very good. But anyway, he sort of pushed me and pulled me and so forth over to the barn door uh, and uh, pushed me up against the door, and he backed off and pulled out his pistol. So I sat down. I didn't feel like standing anymore. And actually, I wasn't all that afraid because I was so, I'm sure I was in very shock, great shock, you know. Where, and, uh, where were you hit? Where was I hit? In the leg. Okay. Yeah, I was hit right down just above the ankle and in this elbow. Okay. And, uh, but I had lost a good you, bit You of, needed medical attention well, at that yeah. time. And uh, he backed off and pulled out his pistol and I sat down. He came back kicked me and got me up, rouse, rouse, mm-hmm. and against the wall. He backed up. I sat down. He came over, and he was getting angry about this stuff. And he kicked and got me up, backed off, pulled his pistol. I sat down. And about that time, a car drove up, a little bitty car with, I think there were six or seven people in it, soldiers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Vermont, I mean, not Vermont, but uh, Luftwaffe, Air Force soldiers. Mm-hmm. They came over and had a great argument and so forth. But they won, and they took me into a little town that was nearby. And there was a kind of a, a medical little building where they had, I think, just for the people in the immediate neighborhood. Mm-hmm. And there were two doctors there. They didn't say a word, but they took me inside and they took out the shrapnel in yeah. my leg that they could uh, could get out and uh, never said a word to me, hmm. not a single solitary word, and uh, put me in a, a little room and locked me up. And I spent the night there. Uh, but before I before I went to sleep, a fella came to the door and knocked, and I went to the door. And he said, Kameraden, come and see here. Morgan, Kameraden, come and see here. I didn't know German, but mm-hmm. I figured that he must be telling me that my comrades were going to be there. And what he was saying was, in the morning, Morgan... You, your comrades come here. So the next morning, about nine o'clock, truck showed up, and they were all in the back. Those that were still living. Yeah. Now the waist gunner, the the uh, right waist gunner, jumped in and shoot it open. Now he was, he jumped after I did, I think, because when I came out of the radio room and it was about to pull the handle, he's, I said, you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And he said, no, you, you've been wounded. He said, look, you got blood all over you. And he said, you go. So I went. Now, the German said that he jumped and the shoe didn't open. Mm-hmm. And that may have been what it was because I remember that he used to come when we'd get on the plane and before the flight, he would just take his chute and throw it up in the play, mm-hmm. in the, in the, uh, in the plane. And he, most of the time it landed on one of these big, um, Hot pipes, you know, yeah. exhaust pipe. And I kept telling him, you're going to throw that thing in one day and it's going to burn out the panels. He was called Shorty because he was a little bitty boy. <laughs> I think he was every bit of 18. Oh. And uh, I've got to tell you something that I want to tell you. I, I hate to take up so much time. No, you're, no. <clears throat> 
the pilot was first time. Mm-hmm. He was flying his last mission. Mm-hmm. He, he had gone down in another flight. And he was one of the only ones that wasn't killed or wounded. He, his name was Carl. <coughs> um, anyway, I don't mention that. Anyway, um, he he was flying his last mission mm-hmm. with us. Our our pilot that we had come overseas with, named Lamb, mm-hmm. had become a lead pilot. That is, he was flying a lead. Squadron. Yeah. He, he he was the top of the apex, you know. Right. And so uh, this fellow had one mission to fly, and we needed a substitute for Lamb, so they had put him on our plane. We had never seen him before. Now, this was also true with the ball turret gunner. The ball turret gunner had been sick and missed a flight. Mm-hmm. That meant when his, uh, his group, his his crew finished, he had to fly one more mission. We flew, he flew as our ball turret gunner because our ball turret gunner had reached the age that he could no longer fly. Hmm. 30-something, I forgot what it was. Wow. It was 30-something. But anyway, so we had two that had never flown with us that we had never seen as we got on that plane. And this boy was barely 18. Mm-hmm. They went in the ball turret. Well, there's a lot more of that story, but I'll move on. Now, um, we got in a truck, and we were taken to Munich. And they had there the biggest tent I've ever seen. It was filled with prisoners of war. Mm-hmm. And we were told that we were going to have a rummage sale, whatever term they used. That's what we called it when I was growing up. You know, you could put out anything you had to trade for whatever you needed. Well, I needed shoes. Yeah. Because when I jumped, my shoes, like a lot of people, were, were wired to the back of my jumpsuit. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, so you'd have shoes when you landed because you couldn't wear shoes in the jumpsuit. Yeah. But my shoes had come off. In my jump, I guess when I jumped, it was mm-hmm. such a pull that the shoes were gone. I had to have shoes. Well, <laughs> All I had were those little felt slippers, you know, that mm-hmm. I wore inside the jumpsuit. So I, I put out my uh, watch, my GI watch, to, to see if I could swap them for shoes. Well, a fella came along, an Englishman came along and he said, uh, what do you give me for my shoes? He had an extra pair of shoes. Mm -hmm. And I just looked at him. I said, what size are they? And he said, 11. So I said, oh, yeah, I'll trade for those. I've got a watch, GI watch. Now, this is all the prisoners exchanging. Yeah. Yeah. This is all the prisoners swapping stuff up to other prisoners. Yeah, yeah. You know, let's take a quick break and then we'll come back. All right? Yeah. All right, guys, we'll be right back with you. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSradio.com. Adams Place is founded by Dr. Carl E. Adams, a physician and lifelong resident of Middle Tennessee. He and Jenny May had a dream of building a campus concept of life care facilities for older adults. Adams Place Residential Living Director Terry Deal. Discover that senior living is fun. Call us at Adams Place and arrange a tour today. Adams Place is at 1927 Memorial Boulevard. We at Ferret Construction offer a 24-hour emergency service. Whether your shingles are blown off your roof, you have a tree on your roof, or if your whole house flooded, we offer a 24-hour emergency service. That's why it's important to shop local. They're your neighbors, and they take care of you. We're family here at Ferret Construction. We care about you. 
This is Ron Hall with Fair Construction. Call 615-893-6120. That's Fair Construction Company. This is a breaking news alert from News Radio WGNS. CBS News Special Report. President Trump claims a new election victory. CBS News is projecting he's won Alaska. That gives him three more electoral votes for a total of 217. Not enough to overtake Joe Biden's decisive 279. Also in Alaska, incumbent Dan Sullivan has won his race, ensuring Republicans 50 Senate seats. The president continues a legal battle over ballot counts in at least five states. CBS's Major Garrett. Rational Republicans know these lawsuits are essentially hearsay, meaningless, and distractions. They are delaying the inevitable. More from Paula Reed. White House officials tell CBS News that President-elect Joe Biden will not get an invitation to the White House before President Trump has exhausted all of his legal options and before the vote count is certified. President-elect Biden's take. I think it will not help the president's legacy. President on his way to Arlington National Cemetery to mark Veterans Day. CBS News Special Report. Bet River Sportsbook is ready to make this football season one to remember. All season score at Bet River Sportsbook with free bets, odds boosts, and more. Player props, thousands of game lines, and live in-game betting. Bet River Sportsbook delivers best-in-class sports betting experiences with outstanding customer service to back it up. Go to BetRivers.com. And if you reside in a non-regulated state, then BetRivers.net has action for you. Bet Rivers, your hometown sportsbook. Must be 21, must be present in Colorado, Illinois, Indiana, or Pennsylvania to play. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Wouldn't it be great if everything came with more? Like if your new computer came with unlimited tech support. When you choose a Medicare plan from United Healthcare, you get more. Like plans that have dental and vision coverage, plus hearing coverage. Call United Healthcare at 1 800 364 1360 to get Medicare with more. Remember, Medicare annual enrollment ends December 7th. Benefits and availability may vary by plan and location. More plans based on a year over year comparison of United Healthcare plans. Bud's Tire Pros makes buying tires simpler, so you can get back to when being on the move was carefree. For a limited time, get up to a $120 reward card after submission when you bundle at least two new qualifying Michelin or BF Goodrich passenger or light truck tires, as well as select Michelin motorcycle, scooter, and bicycle tires. Or get a $120 reward card per purchase of four new Michelin Cross Climate 2 tires. Bud's Tire Pros, hassle-free, guaranteed. Find out more at BudsTireProsTN.com. See store for complete details. Offers valid from November 18th, 2020 through December 9th, 2020. Void where prohibited. Good neighbor weather. A few spotty rain showers here early this afternoon. Otherwise, cloudy skies. Temperatures steady early, then slowly falling. North winds of 5 to 10 miles per hour. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Wojcicki on News Radio WGNS. Currently, it's 63. Premier Six Theater is open. They're excited to see you again and will be showing some classic movies you'll be sure to enjoy. Check MurfreesboroMovies.com for showtimes. For Premier Six Theater, they're now open. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com. All right, we're back. Where are we with the story? Uh, let's see now. I. I gone down I was oh uh, we uh, they uh, oh yeah I, I got some shoes I swapped my mm-hmm. watch, watch my GI watch with the shoes mm-hmm. I put them on and it turned out to be very tight and they, they had hobnails they were World War One British uh, <laughs> soldier shoes yeah and they had hobnails in it. It didn't make a difference because most of the time we, we were on dirt road. But anyway, yeah. Um, let's see. That was on a Tuesday. Wednesday, uh, Wednesday morning, next morning, uh, they came in. The Germans came in. Mm-hmm. Groups of them came in. And they went around this big tent. And I don't know. I would... It looked to me as though there were a thousand prisoners in that tent. It was mm. a tremendous tent. 
They went around and they said, "Okay, I want uh, you, you ten right here, and you ten right here, and you ten." Till they got up about a hundred. I, I, I never did know exactly, but it was at least a hundred. Mm-hmm. And they said, "Okay, those that we've called out, follow me." So we followed them outside, and we began to walk. And we found out that what we were doing, we were going to, uh, uh, oh, heck, what's the name of the place? Uh, not Wiesbaden, but, uh, oh, gosh, I can't remember. It's up in the northern part of Germany. Yeah. And it was, well, anyway, we're going to walk. So we began walking. Were you afraid of what they were going to do at that time? Well, I didn't had no idea. We had we we would never tell why we were yeah. doing this, but we were we were one of I don't know maybe ten groups like this. Mm-hmm. But we just went the the uh, approximately a hundred of us went with about uh, we we left with ten. I remember we got it down to eight. Uh, guards. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the other two did, but they dropped out somewhere. And we walked then. Now, we didn't walk all the time, but we walked every day and until dark. And we got up in the morning at daylight and we walked and we had no food and no water. Mm. The water was what really was terrible. We had no water. You can live quite a while without food, but yeah. you can't live without water. And we just, uh, you know, we would occasionally run across where we'd get food, water. If we ran, if we came past a, a farm, mm-hmm. the guard, two or three of them would go in and get water and bring, and we'd have water. And if there's anything like mm-hmm. potatoes, anything like that that we could eat. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, at one time, saw what I thought was a turnip as we walked along a field and... Uh, I dug it up and ate it, and it was a beet. And uh, a raw beet is not very good for you. Uh, but anyway, we, 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 now, we did have uh, Red Cross trucks come by mm-hmm. on two, no, three occasions on the way to uh, Weimar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Weimar is where we're going. Okay. And uh, they gave us a box for every five people. A box was about this long and about this high. Mm-hmm. And the best thing in it was a powdered milk. Oh, that was so good. And I, when I came home, I looked everywhere for that for powdered milk. Never did find it. But it was so good. And it had bread, which was good. It was German bread. I got to love that. And uh, a tea mm-hmm. and a bar of candy, and we divided that among ten of us. No, five of us divided among five of us. But otherwise, we just lived off the land as best we could. And the guards didn't have any more food than we did. Hmm. I mean, I I think they did because they usually, you know, they had watches during the night, but three or four stayed out and watched. They took, what do what you call it, uh, times, you know. Yeah. But they would stay in their home if we got to a farm, a farmhouse. They would go in and stay. And uh, I'm sure they ate there. Mm-hmm. They got food there. Um, I'm but, surprised they treated you that well. And I'm surprised guards, the Red Cross was there. Well, I was surprised too. I really was. I, we all were just, dumbfounded the first time we saw it but um, let's see where to go next now almost every day mm-hmm. not every day but almost I'd say every three or four days um, we were attacked by American fighters hmm. we, we were backwoods see we were going through small villages and, and through woods and mm-hmm. we, Country roads. We we didn't. We figured out. We never were told. But we, a fellow who seemed to know 
said that he had heard that they were emptying the uh, uh, prisoner of war camps mm-hmm. to the west, I mean to the east. The, the Russians were getting closer and closer. So they were going to move out all of the prisoners to the east of, Ber- of Munich. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what was going on. I don't know whether that was true or not. I never heard anything about that. Uh, now, as I said, we, we were attacked quite often by America. They didn't know who we were. We were no. just walking down a dirt road, you know. And So they would come in and strafe us. And occasionally somebody was hurt. Yeah. I, I know three that were killed. The worst was one day we we got to a small village, and there was a fire duck going over a railroad track. And uh, we got close. Uh, our my crew, the 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 uh, those of us who were there, we would always get in the back. When we first left, we had planned on uh, escaping. It wouldn't have worked, I'm sure, but we got every day when we start out, everybody gets to the back of the line, you know. Mm-hmm. They always lined us up in uh, fives, not fours as Americans would do, but they were five. So we we would line up back there in the in the row back of. And we thought that we would one day slip off, you know. Mm-hmm. But that never came about. Uh, let's see, where was I? Oh, but one day we were going through this and under the viaduct, and a little and a German fighter hopped up, suddenly hopped up where we could see him above the viaduct and came down. And, of course, he was bombing this viaduct. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of these kids at the front had run under the viaduct, you see, mm. when they saw him. Yeah. Well, that was that was the worst thing that happened with that. But uh, <laughs> I remember that I was there was a ditch right here by me, and uh, I was walking with uh, the the pilot who and I who. He and I became good friends, and we talked. We talked over the phone together after we got home, at least once a month. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was from uh, Oklahoma, and uh, uh, well, I can't think. Of it. Anyway, um, he he pushed me over into that ditch, and I didn't know that there was a guard already in the ditch. So I fell on him, and uh, uh, the friend, my friend, who was the pilot, said that they roughed me up. I have no memory of it at all. Yeah. I, I, just, I, don't, I guess he's right, but I don't remember it anyway. Um, we... <clears throat> came one day to uh, the Danau, the Danube River, mm-hmm. and uh, we were going to take a left turn there. We weren't going to, it was a bridge. We weren't going to cross it, but we were going to turn. Well, there was some sort of skirmish that got started up there at the front, and uh, the Germans got a little, the guards got a little excited, and they fired off guns. <laughs> There's a fellow walking very close to me as we went down this dirt road, mm-hmm. a German guard, one of the guards, and uh, he, uh, we started talking, and he spoke good English, yeah. and he said he was a clown. He said, I've lived in Australia for 20 years, and he said, I was a clown, but he said, when war started, they called me home. I had to come back to Germany, yeah. and uh, he he was very nice, very friendly. When all this started up there at the front of the group, he said to me, "Run down there and get by that one of those. Get under one of those logs. Get back one of those logs." Mm-hmm. And uh, he said, "Just stay there until this gets over." He said, "It'll be over in a few minutes." And so I did. I got down under the log. This was all swampy stuff. 
But I got down in it, back of that log. And in a little while, I looked up, and he was motioning to come back. So I went back, and we walked along and talked. And he is a, just a racial, nice guy. None, none of that you expect no. a, after you become a prisoner of war. No. You don't. That, that, that's all that it just this, seems foreign to what you really think would happen. Part, yeah, I bet you anything. This fellow was no more Nazi than I was. Yeah. But uh, these guards, though, they never talked to us. Hmm. Um, one time, uh, I asked for a. A spoon. I wanted a spoon mm -hmm. because we we would get this stuff, and uh, if we found potatoes, for instance, we'd uh, put them in a bowl and mix them with water, and somehow, and we'd fix up milk with that powdered milk when we had it, mm -hmm. powdered sugar, not powdered sugar, powdered milk. And uh, he said, "Okay, I'll see if I can find one." And he did. He got it. I still uh -huh. have it, as a matter of fact. <laughs> but they were not bad. You know, I, I, there's an old poem that we remember. <laughs> Had he and I but met by some old ancient inn, we should have sat us down to wet quite many a nipakin. But staring face, let's see, but staring face to face, he shot at me and I at him. You you finish it. I can't. I killed him in his place. I killed him in his place. And you know it was like that. They were they they were all, all bad, but they were trapped themselves, and they were hungry too. Yeah. Now they didn't talk to us. They didn't make friends with us. That's the only time a god ever spoke to me was that fellow who had been in Australia all those years as a clown. Well, um, what should I say next? Um, we, we got to Nuremberg. I mean, we got to, uh, to Weimar. Mm -hmm. And uh, the, uh, one of the most downhearted feelings I had during that whole time was up above the gate going into this prison were the words, and I couldn't read German, so I didn't know what to do, but my friend uh, did, and he, he said, it says, abandon hope, mm. all you who enter here. Now, that comes from Greek or Latin, I believe. Yeah. And I felt pretty bad then. <laughs> Well, we went in, and they, they put each of us in a little crib uh, sort of a, a room about uh, six feet wide and maybe five feet long or something like that, very, very small. And um, I kept hearing this knocking on the wall. Mm -hmm. And from the room next to me, I assumed, and it was in the wall's code, but I couldn't understand it. It was not very well sent, but he kept sending it, the same mm -hmm. thing over and over and over. And I kept saying, sending back in Morse code, repeat, repeat, and he'd send it back. Now, this went on just about two or two and a half hours. Mm. Kept on. Finally, I made out what he was saying. What he's saying was, you know what? Think about it now. You know what? You know what he was saying? You can see what I'm talking about. He was asking me, like, you know what? Well, I tell you, I, I lost it. I absolutely lost it. <laughs> He, he, we spent all afternoon his saying that. I don't know what he was going to tell me because I quit after that. I didn't listen to him anymore. <laughs> did, did they teach you before 
uh, you went on these missions, mm-hmm. uh, if you were shot down, yeah. how you were supposed to respond to to whatever type of treatment you're going to have? Uh, just as innocently as you possibly can. Don't try to fight back. They're going to kill you. Yeah. Now, they may kill you otherwise, but if you fight back, the sure as world are going to. And uh, that was it. Now, we did have, we had pictures made of us from waist up mm-hmm. with a shirt and a tie and a coat. And you slipped it on backwards, mm-hmm. and, it, and it buttoned up, up the front, up the back. Mm-hmm. And these were escape pictures mm-hmm. that we could take. I never did figure out how you'd be able to take them. Because if, if you dropped and you weren't p- picked up right away, you might be able to use them if you got to, uh, you know, a group. Did, did you ever think up that uh, maybe some of the farmers or the people uh-huh. who lived in those areas yeah. may assist you if you were able to get well, those? I don't know. I never heard of that. Yeah. Uh, I know, right. And there were some cases where they were killed, yeah. you know, and so forth. All right, we've got to wrap up the show. Unfortunately, we've run out of time. Mm-hmm. What have we got, about four more hours to listen to? No. Well, I, I'll tell you the end of the thing very quickly. Okay, yeah. Okay. Now, we were walking east and south. Mm-hmm. And uh, we walked for... A little over two weeks. I, I just don't mm-hmm. remember. I know that we walked uh, 15 days, and we might have had one or two more. But anyway, we came to a, a German uh, prisoner war camp, mm-hmm. and the name of that little village by it was Mooseburg. Oh. And uh, we were put in there, and it was occupied entirely by French prisoners. Yeah. who'd been there since 1940. Oh, my. And uh, they were very uh, uh, territorial. It was their place, and they didn't like us coming in and taking up some of their space. So they weren't very friendly. And uh, there's not a place. It was one room where they said I could sleep. When I went in, though, they were all filled up. The corners yeah. were filled up and so forth. And a fellow said, well, a, a Frenchman who seemed to be very nice, said to me, he said, get under the table. He says, usually no one sleeps under the table. Yeah. So I went, got under the table. It was cold. It was cold all the time. Yeah. Anyway, um, that next morning I got up and went outside this place where I spent the night, and I saw a tent, a friend of mine, a little, a little uh, pup tent. Mm-hmm. Uh, across the yard down there and I, I went over to see him and we were, we were talking and somebody said I've got some tea he said i got enough to make it there were three of us standing there and he said so we, we we got a fire going I have no idea how we did it but we did <laughs> and uh, there was a boy sick in the, t- in the thing I Anyway, um, we were standing uh, outside getting this fire going, and we were going to make some tea. And uh, a fella came up, walking up, kind of looking around, walked up, and he said, I would swear I saw some GIs over the fence down there, pointed down that way. Mm-hmm. And we said, you're already mine. No, he said, he sure looked like GIs to me. And about that time, the whole place just seemed to blow up. <laughs> they were they were were GIs. They were Patton, uh, General uh, Patton, all right, and a group of the Third mm-hmm. Army, uh, Patton and Patch, the two two uh, two generals. They came in and uh, with a force, and there was a little battle there. Now, when this firing started, there was a big latrine right in the middle of this place, mm-hmm. or this camp. And uh, it was brick, and I said, let's, let's run up there. We were right in the open down here. Let's run up there and get behind that. So we started running up, 
and there was a shot, I don't know, cannon or what it was, knocked the end of that building off to our right. We were on the left side, sort of getting behind it this way. We were right at the corner of the building. We'd get over this way. <laughs> then when we, we saw things being hit over here, we'd switch around over here. And that went on, I'd say, maybe an hour, 45 mm-hmm. minutes to an hour. And uh, there's a lot of shouting and hoorayeing and all that. And they said, we, the Germans have gone. They, they got pulled out. They were there to free you. Yeah. Yeah. Yep, that's what it was. And I've got, I've got pictures of Patton standing up in his Jeep. And he made a little speech and said we'd be out of here in 48 hours. Well, it was it was a day longer than that. Yeah. But we did get out, and we were taken over to a German Air Force uh, dirt uh, dirt field airfield. Yeah. And uh, two days later, we were flown into Rouen, where the peace had just been signed. We rode into the town, and everybody was screaming, you know, and shouting. You were for Third Army. Yeah. Well, they thought it was the war had ended. Yeah. And it had ended in that city. Wow. And and we didn't know. We didn't they're, know. they're telling me we've got to <laughs> go off the air. They've got something else going. Well, but I am so happy to well, have you. And it, and it, it's been a uh, it's been a pleasure. It really has. Well, and, and, and uh, I love having our heroes. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> oh, you know, no. no. I love to celebrate what you guys did. No, I'm a survivor. <laughs> I'm not a hero. All right, guys. Uh, of course, this is uh, Charles Edwin. Uh-huh. Uh, and and uh, Dr. Howard, I'm so happy to have you well, today. I appreciate it. All right, guys. Okay. We'll, we'll turn it over to you. From NHC's Adams Place, home of premier senior living on Memorial Boulevard, it's The Truman Show on News Radio WGNS, FM 100.5 and 101.9, AM 1450, and streaming at WGNSRadio.com.